0: One of the things I wanted to do this morning was just talk about what do we, what do we mean when we talk about Christmas? When we talk about, are we ready for Christmas? Let me ask another question to most of you. Let's, does Christmas bring stress? Again, the answer for the parents is probably yes, and for the children it's probably no. Why does Christmas bring stress? Boy, it's amazing the difference between a parent and a child when we start looking at all these things, isn't it? It brings stress because, and this is the thing that stresses me out the most. And I, see, I'm not a housewife and, and I don't clean the house and get it ready and cook the food. So the parties and the family come and doesn't stress me like it does my wife. You know, wives, do you understand that? Men, do you understand that? Right? It doesn't stress us near as much, does it? But what does stress us a lot is presence. We're about, i got to get the right present for everybody in the family. Not just for everybody in the family, but for everybody and his brother. <laughs> I mean, it's just it goes on and on and on, doesn't it? The amount of presents that we, we buy for Christmas and the amount of things that we think about for Christmas. There's a commercial that's playing right now that I just love. And that commercial, most of you have probably seen it. There are three teenage girls standing out in the backyard, they're looking at a pony standing over there eating on its doghouse. You remember that commercial? You know? And the, the one girl got a pony, and the other two girls got some kind of, of uh, cell phones. That's what I assume the commercial's about. How do you think the parent who gave the daughter a pony feels? Well, I don't know how I would feel, and it's the stress that comes with buying presents and giving presents. I bombed. Again, I gave a terrible present. You think back now, see there's one of our commercials that we look at all the time and it really does convey part of the stress of Christmas, what to buy. Now there's another commercial that plays all the time and actually there are two or three of them that's one product and you see the father and the son standing out in the yard, you know, and they call the uh, wife on the phone and, try, and kind of makes her mad and she comes outside and what's waiting for her when, they come out, when she comes outside the door? A new car, not only a new car, a new Lexus. Sharon, I got one for you out in the parking lot. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You're right, that's a
0: wild thought. What kind of Christmas present is that? How many of you have ever gotten a car for Christmas? I don't see any hands. I'm just amazed that they would advertise that we're going to buy a car for somebody for Christmas. But that's kind of what our culture tells us that we're going to do. The question that I want to look at this morning really is why do we celebrate Christmas? Okay. Give me the Sunday school answer. Okay, because of Jesus, right? And why what is it about Christmas that has to do with Jesus? It's his birthday. He was born at Christmas time. Or at least we celebrate Christmas because Jesus was born at Christmas time, right? Is that why we celebrate Christmas? That's the, that's, that is the true reason that we have it and that we look at it and we talk about Christmas. Now, what I really want to look at then is, so if that's why we celebrate Christmas, tell me, who is Jesus? And What I really want to focus on is who was Jesus before he came to earth as a baby? So let's If we can look at our first verse there... Uh, I want to look at just a couple of verses that tell us something about Jesus and who Jesus is and who he was before he came to earth as a baby boy. That first verse is Isaiah, find my notes, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It says In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Excuse me, I'm trying to get this fixed. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, and two he covered, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Now there's Isaiah standing before God Almighty, in the throne of heaven, and he sees God on the throne. The book of John tells us that when Isaiah saw God on the throne, he was looking at Jesus Christ. So who was Jesus before he came? He was God seated on the throne in heaven. And what was he? He was holy, holy, holy. What does that mean? The the idea, the image that he wants to convey there is how high, separate, set-apart from man God is because he's so far above us as God, as the eternal God. So that's who Jesus Christ was. Now there's some other verses that we want to look at that tell us a little bit more about who Jesus was. The next verse is out of Colossians chapter 1. Let's read these. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we see and the things we can't see. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. What does that tell us about Jesus Christ? He's the creator, right? He's the creator of all that we see, of all that there is. Baby Jesus is that creator, that same creator. Now let's look at another verse, and this is out of Hebrews chapter 1, and we have three or four verses we're going to look at from Hebrews chapter 1. It says, The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majesty of God in heaven. Go ahead and go um, to the next verse, if you will. But to the Son, he says, and we're just taking a few verses here. But to the Son, he says, "Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your rule, uh, with a scepter, you rule with a scepter of justice." In the next verse, he also says to the Son, "In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands." What again? What do these verses tell us about Jesus? About who he was? He's, he's the Creator. He's a Sovereign God. He rules. Tells us he radiates God's glory. What do you think that means? That's a tough phrase. He, he's the reflection. What we see is God's glory. We see God's glory in Jesus Christ. When you look at Jesus, that's what you're seeing is God's glory. Oh. Tells us that he's the Creator of all things, and he actually expresses who God is we'll go to one other verse here that deals with this topic and that's out of John chapter 1 now John speaks a little bit figuratively but he tells us something about Jesus as well he says in the beginning the word already existed the word was with God and the word was God he existed in the beginning with God God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him the idea that he was the word, what is it John trying to convey there? He's saying that Jesus is the communication to us of who God is. He's the expression of who God is. He is God revealed to mankind. So now we look at all these passages and you kind of put them together. We look to see what is the answer to the question Who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? He's God, right? And that is, the, that is the answer. As we look at we celebrate the birthday of Jesus. That's the way we say it. But does, is it really Jesus' birthday? In a sense, because he came to earth. But how long has Jesus been alive? Forever. He's the, without beginning, right, and without end. So it's not really his birthday. It's just the day that we celebrate that he came to earth as a man and that he was God and he came to earth as a man And that kind of leads me to the next uh, thought, the next question that I want us to look at very quickly. And I want you to see, and we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7 now. This tells us that though he, speaking about Jesus, was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. What does that verse tell us about Jesus? He was in the the form of God. He was equal with God. He is God. And that's the first point that I really want us to understand. When we talk about celebrating Christmas, we're talking about who Jesus is. And Jesus is God, the Son of God who came to be a man. Now, that leads me to the very next question that, that I think we need to really talk about here is, why did God become a man? What do you think? Why did God become a man? To lead by example, okay? To lead who? Us, okay? Any other thoughts? Why did God, who was seated on the throne, who was in heaven, right? Who created the universe, all that there is, including you and I? Okay, I heard that. that's a good answer. Somebody said because we sinned. Alright? And that has a lot to do with why God became a man. Again, we're going to look at just a couple of verses to try and give us to what, see what the scriptures say about why God chose to empty himself and become a man, to make himself nothing and to become in a form like a human being. First verse we're going to look at, and actually it's a fairly long passage out of Hebrews chapter 2. And let's just, I'm going to ask you to bear with me as we read through this, and there are three or four things in there that it tells us about why God chose to become a man. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering a perfect leader fit to bring them into salvation. All right, let's stop right there for just a moment. God made Jesus, right, he wanted to make him fit to bring us salvation. So that's one of the first points he has there. This is why God became a man, so he could be perfect and complete and able to bring salvation to you and I. Okay, we'll keep going. Uh, So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. Go ahead. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help the angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Let me ask the question again. Why did God become a man? We, we have some answers that are laid out in this passage. I want to just highlight those that we've read over. He became a man so that he could suffer. And through his suffering, he could be made perfectly fit to bring us salvation. So the scripture tells us God became a man to suffer. You ever thought about that? Let's go on to the next one. He became a man so that he could die and by his death break the power of the devil and set us free so God became a man so that he could die. He became a man so that he could suffer and be tested like we are. And the idea of testing there is tempting. He was going to face temptation, testing, just like you and I have. That's one of the reasons he became a man. He became a man so he could suffer and be tested like we are and become a merciful and faithful high priest who is able to help us when we are tested. So God became a man so he could be tested and tempted. He became a man so that he could offer a sacrifice that would take away our sins. What does that mean? What is a sacrifice? We'll look at this for just a moment. What is a sacrifice? We don't really do that much anymore, do we? No, we don't. Not at all. What the, what the Scripture is alluding to is goes back to the Old Testament and to the system that God put in place to point to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament law. And that was the, the law of sacrifice and the sacrifices that were presented by the priest at the temple in the Old Testament. And we see that Jesus came to present himself as a sacrifice. And a couple of verses I want to read that just kind of point this out. We'll look first in Isaiah chapter 53, and it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Now, Isaiah is talking about Jesus Christ. Back in the Old Testament, in, in, as he gave this prophecy, he was talking about Jesus Christ, and he described him as being like a lamb who was led to slaughter, and that's what the, one of the animals that were offered when they offered the sacrifices. And in fact, the New Testament specifically refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God who was offered as a sacrifice for us. We have a couple of other verses in Hebrews that we'll look at that just kind of emphasize this point as well. In uh, Hebrews chapter 9, it says, But as, as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So the, answer, so the question again was, why did God become a man? Okay, and we look at what, the, what is the answer that we've seen to that question. God became a man so that he might suffer, so that he might be tested just as we are tested. He became a man so that he might die and be God's sacrifice that's offered for our sins so that we could be forgiven and at peace with God so that we could be brought back into a right relationship with God and be his children. So we're saying we celebrate Christmas because Jesus came. We see that when we talk about Jesus came, we're talking about because God came to dwell with men and live with us. And he came to suffer and die so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Now the next question really just strikes me as probably the most important question that we need to ask. Why did Jesus, God the Son, the Lord of hosts who was seated on the throne in heaven, the Creator, the very expression of God, why did He make Himself nothing and come to earth as a baby to be tested to suffer and die so that we could be forgiven? There's one word that answers that. What is it? Why did... Alright, grace is, a, is... That's good. That's not the word I was looking for, but that's good, right? Why did God become a man and live like we do, and suffer and die? There's the answer, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in in Him might not perish, but have everlasting life. We start looking at why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas because God loved us enough to come and die for us. And He wanted to come and die for us for a specific purpose. What was the... Point of his death and his suffering. To pay the price for our sins and he wanted to pay the price for our sins so that we could be in a right relationship with him. Now you think about that for a moment. I have children. Uh, I have a daughter-in-law. Uh, I have parents. I have brothers and sisters. A uh, brother and sisters. Uh, I have cousins. I have family that that came to me really not by my choice. They're my family. And I love my family, and I want to spend my time with my family. But the Scripture tells us that God made us to be part of his family, and he did it on purpose, right? He went out of his way. He left heaven and came to earth so that we could be his family and live in a right relationship with him. I have one other verse that that helps us see that relationship that he wants us to have and that's out of Revelation. And it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God will be with them as their God. Why did holy God become a man, give up his place in heaven, become a man and die so that we could be forgiven, because for our sins. But He did it for our sins because He wants to live with us. He wants us to have a right relationship with Him. He wants us to live eternally with Him. I don't know about you, but that's pretty overwhelming to me. As a matter of fact, I don't. I, the more I think about it, I get all choked up. I can't even really think because that is the expression of love that Christmas represents. God's desire that each one of us be in a right relationship with him. And He loved us so much that he gave us the greatest gift that could possibly be given. He came and lived like us and suffered like us and died for us. We started this morning talking about gifts. The real question that we need to come back around to is, what have you done with the gift that God has given? Have you accepted the gift that he has given to us, Jesus Christ? If you haven't, please do. Come to him. And I'm going I'm to read to you the invitation that I think that Jesus gave, uh, that we have in the scriptures, that just speaks what we need to do to come into a right relationship with him. And that invitation is in Matthew chapter 11. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Over and over again in the New Testament, Jesus said, Come to me. Follow me. Take my yoke. That means submit ourselves to him. Let him be your Lord and Savior. The Bible ends with that invitation Come. 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 Come to Jesus. I'm going to take just a moment and we're going to pray. And if you had never entered into a right relationship with Jesus Christ, I urge you to accept the gift that God has for you. And then you can truly celebrate Christmas. If you want to know more about that or you want any help, please come see me or Chris or Josh or Ashley or Mike or any one of us that you see involved in the leadership. Come down and see us after the service or call us this week. We would love to talk to you a little bit more about that. So let's pray. Fathers, we celebrate Christmas. I, I ask that you would help us set aside all the stuff that we do that has nothing to do with the true meaning of Christmas. Father, we thank you for your gift, for your love that you expressed for us through Jesus Christ. Right now, Lord, we come to you, praising you and thanking you and offering up all of our thanksgiving and praise that we can. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray. Amen.